I read comics, show number 56. It's a Friday afternoon. We're at work. I feel like we should be drinking. Something. Something to pass the time. (laughs) This is literally the end of the summer wrap-up because Monday is Labor Day. Yeah. So this is it for summer movies and summer everything, pretty much. Even though it's really hot outside. (laughs) Yeah, it's been our beginning of summer, really. Um, So we wanted to talk about some summer movies and some summer things on um, TV and then uh, a few comic book things. And and I had um, one thing that I just wanted to mention up front, which... I have mentioned before, um, I'm a big fan of the Scans Daily Live Journal group because I get all my good stuff from there. There was another group alongside of it called Full Scans Daily where people would post full comic book issues that they'd mm. scanned. And uh, that was just shut down by Live Journal finally this week. Wow. It got booted. So um, there's the people who run it aren't going to try to protest it because clearly they knew it was copyright <laughs> violation. So it's gone. We're very sad about that. But anyway. Um, so for summer movies, we've talked about the ones that we'd seen together, mm-hmm. but there are a couple that we saw separately. I had posted your review of Transformers. Right, which was awesome. <laughs> now, is that true, what you were just telling me today about them re-releasing Yes, it? there's going to be, starting in November, I think it is, uh, or maybe it's even October. Uh, and Maybe I'm wrong altogether, <laughs> but it's sometime soon. They're, they're going to re-release it with some additional footage, uh, on the, for, and it's going to be uh, formatted for IMAX. So what everyone's expecting is that it's going to, you know, why would you add more content if it's the boring and poorly acted um, <laughs> dialogue? You know, there's going to be more giant robots blowing up. That's what that's what everyone's hoping. So, looking forward to that. I will definitely go see it as it was my favorite movie of the summer. That's great. Well, that would be very cool if that really happened. Yeah. The other movie that we saw separately, but but saw anyway, was Ratatouille, which mm-hmm. I was excited about seeing. You know, I, I was surprised that they didn't have as much publicity for this movie as other Pixar movies have had. Like, I remember seeing um, trailers in the movie for Finding Nemo and for Cars, like, a long time before they came out. And then when they were finally released, there were commercials on TV mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff. And there just didn't seem to be that much for this there movie. There wasn't much for Ratatouille. Um yeah, and I wonder, this is the first one that was out since the official merger with Disney. Right? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Could be, um, but I'm a little surprised because I thought it was a wonderful movie. One of the best. It was just, it had everything that you could want in a movie, not just an animated mm-hmm. movie. Um, it was many things. It was uh, kind of an adventure story, and it was a love story, and it was... Uh, a personal destiny story yeah. or something. There was so much good stuff in it, so... Um, for people who haven't seen the movie, because there are probably some of you out there, it's the story of a rat who becomes a chef, right, <laughs> essentially. And um, I was talking to um, my friend uh, JK about this, and she saw it too. She's not a big fan of animated movies anyway, and she said the thing that she couldn't get past in this movie was the idea that rats were in a kitchen of a restaurant. Right. I think you pretty much have to accept that or you will yeah. not enjoy the movie. You have to <laughs> accept that, you know, the, 
the concept of rat, the rat is your little buddy on your shoulder, you yeah. know, like the kids in, mm-hmm. always did in school, and not that filthy evil thing that's <laughs> breeding disease, or, or else you're not going to be able to enjoy this movie. Yeah, and it was kind of an interesting movie um, in that the, the rules for the animals were that um, the animals are intelligent, mm-hmm. and they talk to each other, but they aren't... They can't talk to people. Yeah. They can communicate with people, but they can't actually talk to people. Right. And I think that's different from other Disney movies and certainly some other Pixar movies. Um, so it's very hard to, to walk that fine line mm-hmm. because if they're that intelligent, you know, why are they still rats? Yeah. Like they would have built little cities by now and been taken over the world or something. Secret of Nim. Yeah, they, yeah, it would have. Could they talk to humans? No, but they definitely have their own city. Yeah, you know, if, so if they were that smart and they had hands, I mean, yeah. rats sort of have hands. You think they would have done more than just live in people's <laughs> attics and eat stuff? Anyway, steal their food. Steal their food. Um, but I, some of the things about it that I just loved were the realism mm-hmm. of the scenes. It really just looked like Paris. And of course, the idealized Paris that everybody thinks about, you right. know, bathed in beautiful light. <laughs> And it's just gorgeous, and there's good food everywhere, and music, and just everything that you could ever want about Paris, they really captured in that movie, and none of the bad parts. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that um, the the voicing, the voiceovers, or voiceovers, the voices were yeah. all really great, mm-hmm. well-casted. Um, <clears throat> I thought that the story just really kept moving mm-hmm. so nicely, and there were there was kind of the villain, mm-hmm. and several, a couple of villains, actually, the, the and... In general, I thought the best part was that I laughed. That the, yeah. that the jokes were actually funny mm-hmm. the whole way through. And and I would say that um, Incredibles, which is still my favorite Pixar movie, the jokes are funny, but it's not laugh all the way through mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, whereas in Ratatouille, I, you know, I was laughing nonstop. There, it was just, and, and yet it was still touching and very touching. Uh, I got a little teary at the yeah. end. It was good. There were several set pieces that were really good. So the part where there's a flood and and the hero Remy has to ride on this book through a sewer is very impressive, just animation wise. Yeah. It's very exciting, and it's it's kind of that scene in Finding Nemo taken mm-hmm. ten times more with sound and motion and everything, which was great. And then uh, a couple of the scenes in the restaurant where they're preparing meals and everything, is, especially when the rats are doing it at the end, is just wonderful. <laughs> so many elements just coming together at the same time, and the animation is really, really wonderful. Yeah. Um, a couple of the voices that I thought were great, I did not realize that it was um, Janine Garofalo as the female love interest. Hmm. And she's wonderful, yeah. and I totally didn't recognize didn't her voice. That. It was She gave a wonderful performance that did not sound like her, because right. she's a very distinctive voice mm-hmm. that I've recognized in other things, but she she was great. And then as the food critic, it was Peter O'Toole. Right. And oh my God, he was, I think he was the best thing about that movie. Yeah. He just brought, as we were talking about the other day, when you have fun adventure movies like the X-Men movies and then mm-hmm. you cast people like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen right. in them, it brings a whole new level of acting and believability and presence to it. And you could just kind of feel him coming through the screen. Mm-hmm. It could have been a very one-dimensional villain role and right. he just imbued it with everything and he ends up not being a villain at the right. end which is wonderful it yeah. just turns around like that i did like that um because in a lot of the disney movies villains are still villains and mm-hmm. either they die or they get vanquished or whatever the case but they're still the villain they don't get uh, they don't have a change of heart and i liked in this one that that happened because i think that even in some of the Pixar movies, the bad guys still stay bad guys. Yeah, they do. It's true. And he doesn't, the villain, the critic, doesn't get a comeuppance either. Yeah. 
he's just there and he changes his mind and nothing bad happens to right. him. And in fact, he, everybody's fine at the end. I mean, there's, there's no really bad thing. I guess you could think of it as uh, the one thing Remy is trying to kind of re, um, help people realize or realize himself is that you can be anything you want and you can make change happen. And, mm-hmm. and it kind of, for, for Remy, the, the rat, that happens, of course. But it then also happens for the food critic, yeah. the villain, in the reverse. Yeah. It's kind of nice, interesting. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I really liked was that um, the human hero, and of course his name escapes me right now. Um, yeah, because yeah, his name wasn't used very mm-hmm. much, uh, so he's the son of the chef. He is shown throughout as being fairly inept. Mm-hmm. So he can't cook. He's a total klutz. He's very awkward with the, his love interest and everything else. He falls off his motorbike, her right. motorbike and stuff like that. And then finally at the end, we see that he does have a talent, and his talent is being the world's best waiter. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where the rats are cooking, and he has to go around the dining room taking everyone's orders and serving them, and he does it on roller skates. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that he's better at that than anybody. Yeah. So he does have his own talent for doing it. It's just a different talent. Mm-hmm. You know, he might be the son of the world's greatest chef, but cooking's not his thing. It's being a waiter, and being the world's best waiter is something to be really proud of. Right. And I love that. It was yeah. so positive. Yeah. Really good. I, I thought that... There were so many good um, stories or morals for for kids and mm-hmm. for everyone, really. But in and it didn't feel like it was slamming you over the head with them mm-hmm. either. It was they were nice and subtle. Yeah. So I was really happy. I, I definitely want to see that again, and I'm sure yeah. I'll buy the DVD when yeah, it comes it's, out. Yeah, it's surely one of the. D- I don't. I own Nemo and Incredibles, which are my two faves, and this ranks up there with those. So. Definitely. I'm curious to see what kind of extras they put on. You know, I just saw um, Jack-Jack attack yeah, the other day, just, which is the too. funniest thing ever in yeah. the entire world. My friends who had all seen Incredibles had never seen <laughs> oh it. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're laughing really hard. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> I love it. Um, so that was Ratatouille, and then I saw the Simpsons movie, mm-hmm. which was very funny. You know, it, it wasn't like the best movie ever made. It was better than your average Simpsons episode, and I thought they did a very good job of making it into a movie so it didn't feel like an episode that should have ended mm-hmm. half an hour ago. Right. Um, and they did... Like all the Star Trek Next Generation movies? Yeah, <laughs> you're like, okay, is it over yet? I wasn't looking at my watch going, is it over yet? Yeah. And the jokes were funny, and the animation was great, and there were a lot of things. And the spider pig thing was definitely the funniest <laughs> thing in the entire movie. Uh, I can see why that it would have been hysterical if they hadn't put it in the, the commercials, trailer. but they had to put yeah. it in. Yeah. I mean, there was no way that they could have avoided that. Yeah, that just... I haven't seen it, and I want to. I'll probably wait for DVD. Yep. But it, that would be the one reason that I will have to see it. Yeah, because it's spider pig. <laughs> it's great. Um, my other interesting... Well, there are two things that I mentioned to you before. One was that Ned Flanders was a big part of this movie, and surprisingly they didn't treat him as they usually do, mm-hmm. showing him as sort of this... Um, not mean, but very misguided mm-hmm. and nice to the point of you wanting to throttle him sort of guy. I mean, there have been several episodes where that actually happened, where right. he and Homer became friends, and Homer couldn't stand his niceness anymore. Um, but he w- was in a, a very kind of neutral but supportive role for Bart, which was cool, mm-hmm. and I liked seeing that. Um, and it helped them have the Simpsons family reconciliation at the end. The one dig that they did get in, which I thought was great, was when the kids are... You know, they think the world is going to end because it might, and they're saying, one of the kids says, Daddy, when we go to heaven, are we going to see Buddha? And Ned goes, no! (laughs) He says it in a really mean and strict way. That was really good. I like that. Um, And the the main uh, other non-Simpsons regular character in this was voiced by Albert Brooks, who has done a number of voices Mm -hmm. on The Simpsons as well, and he's really good at sort of the maniacal guy, and that's who he played in this movie. Cool. So that was good. I like that. Um, so on television, 
Um, well, why don't you talk well, about... Talk, can I do the two movies I saw? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so, I saw Sunshine mm-hmm. with Chris Evans and Killian uh, Murphy, and it wasn't what I expected, in a good way. I expected a really poorly done sci-fi movie, <laughs> and it was a sci-fi movie, but it was not poorly done, and it wasn't about sci-fi. It was actually this thriller, murder, mystery type movie, and none of my friends who went with me knew anything about it or expected that, and it turned out to be a little too scary for one of my friends who doesn't like scary movies Uh and was a little, um, not shaken up necessarily, but uh, probably had wished he'd known more about it just to prepare himself going in. What was the thing that scared him? Was it, like, claustrophobic stuff or monster stuff? No, there... You could call it a monster. Um, Everyone dies. Um, okay. Before the thing happens. Okay. So that basically, and um, for those of you who haven't seen it and want to, don't listen. Stop now. <laughs> skip forward because this is uh, giving everything away. Um, they're on their way to save the Earth. The Earth has been in seven years or some odd years of uh, solar winter because mm-hmm. the sun is dying. So they're on their way to deliver this huge payload that's the size of Manhattan, and it will basically reignite the sun if it works. But it has to enter just at the right. Um, angle, and they've got these massive shields mm-hmm. uh, that prevent the thing from burning. And, and as they're on their approach, something happens, and they lose one of their um, systems or something. So they, they, one ship had gone before them years before, and they pick up its beacon. So they realize the only way they can still get to the sun is to swing back by. It's on Mercury. The, or the one, yeah, it's on Mercury. Swing back by and go and see if they can salvage parts mm-hmm. of that ship to make their final... Um, approach. People start dying one by one, and you think you know who it is, or at least one of the few people you think who it is, and in the end, basically someone, the captain, had survived from the old ship Mm. for these two or four years or whatever it had been, and he sneaks aboard the new ship, and he's all burned. He's been exposed to all this radiation Mm -hmm. and stuff, and and he's, he just kills everyone. Because he's crazy? He's crazy. Um, Chris Evans actually s- sacrifices himself um, because the crazy captain had... Uh, what had he done? He disabled the coolant system. And so Chris Evans had to jump in the coolant and like swim down and mm-hmm. repair things. And so he just turned into this big icicle. Wow. Um, but in the end... I think it's Killian Murphy who survives and it's kind of, it's really great visuals because he's in this huge Manhattan sized nuclear bomb where, or it's some post nuclear type thing. Right. And he somehow, he, he and the woman, one of the female characters and then the crazy guy are all there. And when he turns it on, all the cool things that happen to ignite the new proto nuclear thing happen in basically time, shifts and changes and time and space all distort and so it's very cool what they do with it because he just the visuals are cool because mm-hmm. it's like his whole reality is shifting and changing um as it, so i thought it was a great movie i wasn't expecting it at all um highly recommend it i don't think it's the best movie of the summer that was still transformers <laughs> um but it was good and and it wasn't um it wasn't Traditional poor side. You know what it was like? It was like um, Solaris mm-hmm. with uh, George Clooney from about whatever it was, five or ten years ago. And that sort of subtlety and uh, strangeness. Was Chris Evans shirtless? 
No, I don't think he ever got fully shirtless. His arms were showing a lot, though. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and at the beginning, he's all bearded and hairy, <laughs> and he starts kind of going crazy. They've been on en route to the sun for a while, and they, they finally force him to um, take some earth time, which is in this holodeck type thing, <laughs> and it's shaved, and, you know, sh- sh- cut his hair and his beard. So at least that happened early on. We didn't have to stare at him all bearded. Um, so the second movie I, re- I just recently saw... Uh, was Stardust, and a bunch of my friends and I went, and I had kind of known that it was going to be funny, because uh, my roommate and his boyfriend had gone to see it uh, a week before it premiered. Uh, They got sneak preview tickets, and they said it was the funniest thing, they just hadn't expected it. So it's uh, based on Neil Gaiman book, Mm -hmm. which I'm going to read Mm -hmm. next week, Um, and the best part... Well, okay, so it's got, it's fantasy, you've got this magical kingdom, you've got this, uh, these brothers fighting for the ascendancy to the throne, and, and you've got this star that falls to earth as a human woman, and you've got this human boy who crosses the land from non-magical to magical, and it's just all this great stuff. And then you've got Robert De Niro as a pirate captain on a ship that flies through the air, capturing lightning. <laughs> the best part is, he's total closet case. He's, he's out to himself, and he's got this whole wardrobe of all these dresses and fancy dresses and boas and things. And he says that he inherited the ship from his father, and his father had this reputation. Now it's took him, taken him his whole life to build up this reputation of this ruthless guy. Uh-huh. Um, but then as soon as he's behind closed doors with uh, Claire Danes and the, the boy, um, he's just flaming, Oh, tell me how England is! And it... it I, Tears were coming out of my eyes from his role. It's the most vibrant and exciting role I've seen him play before. Um, And it's funny, as we, again, another spoiler alert, his crew, at the very end, uh, he gets attacked by a bad guy. And Robert De Niro's in a white dress, and he's got lipstick and makeup on, and his crew come and save him. But then he's embarrassed. He's like, oh, my reputation, it's gone. And one of the guys, one of his crewmen goes, Captain, we always knew you were a whoopsie. <laughs> and just like the, the smile on his face, and suddenly they're all friends again. And it, it's just so brilliant. And Michelle Pfeiffer is hot and sexy and funny. And it's, it's, it, it was really well done. It was... I wish more fantasy movies mm-hmm. would come out and not just pure sci-fi. Uh, the commercials that I saw for it, um, especially the the ship, which they show in mm-hmm. some of the commercials, it looked very ter- Terry Gilliam-esque to me. Yeah. Like that, that very um, out there fantasy aspect where things can fly and things yeah. are in strange shapes yeah. and people have these larger-than-life personalities. What's, oh, what's the... Uh, why, uh, Miyazaki, right? Is that the guy who did... Um, no, I can't remember. Princess Mononoke. And, mm-hmm. Okay, so it, the one that was about flying, and I can't remember his one that was about flying right now, the name of it, um, but there's the magical kingdom in the air, and everyone, everything flies. Mm-hmm. And uh, This had very much that feel to it. Not that everything was about flying, but just the magical craziness. How, mm-hmm. and, like you said, anything can happen, and I feel like that's very much um, part of the Japanese fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And not that it never happens here, but there seem to be more rules about how fantasy works for the the Western. Oh, I think world. so. Yeah, I think a lot of Western fantasy is just built on um, things that everybody are familiar with, like um, things by the Brothers Grimm, yeah. where there are really rules, and the rules mm-hmm. are very much earthbound. The mm-hmm. things that are magical are magical in very 
uh, rule-governed ways. Yeah. Like witches act a certain way, mm-hmm. and things that live in the woods act a certain way, and right. people have to do certain things, and there's no freedom of imagination. Yeah. Um, one of the books that I just got done reading, which I'm going to talk about in the next show, is Castle Waiting, okay. which is a wonderful collection. I just I loved it. Someone gave me the book, and I read it, and it's very much a fantasy, and it does have that freedom. It's based roughly on a lot of Western fairy tales, but things happen for no particular reason and everybody accepts it and people aren't really afraid of the strange things that happen mm-hmm. sometimes they're they're annoying these people live in a castle and these little sprites live there too and they they're like um mice and people are just like oh get out of the room and they're not afraid and they're not evil and things fly and explode and all kinds of stuff happens but it just like that's part of the world and everyone yeah. accepts it and it's it's not um portrayed as something that needs to be normalized one of the things that I liked about Stardust, and I'll see if it's this way in the book, but in the movie, all of these things happen. It's just accepted by the characters, but there also doesn't seem to be a whole lot of um, necessity by, or I guess, that's a better way to put it, the, the directors and producers didn't feel the necessity to really explain mm-hmm. any of it to the viewer. Yeah. Just watch it. This is how this things is exist. Yeah. And it's really refreshing. And, and I would say that... Um, that was true of Sunshine as well. Mm-hmm. I forgot that. But um, they didn't really go into how this bomb worked or how they were actually going to get from Earth to the sun and back. And, and they did talk a little bit about what their timelines are and how they, uh, you know, the, the logistics of, well, if we have, you know, once they lose this whole mm-hmm. canister of uh, fuel and stuff. But, but otherwise, it's just they don't get into the science of it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually kind of nice in a way because if they got into the science of it it would just get really unbelievable but they just create that uh, it's it's one of those faith things that yeah. you just take all of that on faith and then enjoy the movie mm-hmm. uh, and all the stuff that's built up around it and both Stardust and Sunshine work that way for me I, I agree I think I think um Fans of Star Trek, like you and I, mm-hmm. tend to really appreciate that because, especially in TNG, there was so much emphasis on the science where they did have to explain everything yeah. to the viewer and make every justification, even if it was techno babble. Right. You knew that there was going to be a part in the episode where Jordy was going to sit down <laughs> and explain to right. you whether you wanted to know it or not. They were going to tell you how this thing happened. Yeah. Like, oh, shut up! Just get on with it. Just make the magic happen. More action. Yeah. More action. Let's talk. <laughs> Cool. Well, that's great. Okay, so um, did you have more movies, or is that it? No. Um, just, yeah, then comics and a book. Okay. So um, we had been talking a little bit about Ben 10, oh, yeah. which you just started watching. So why don't you tell me what you think about it? Um, I really liked it. It, it. The art is uh, really vivid and crisp, which I like, and I really liked the idea. It, it reminded me, I was thinking about it the other night, it reminded me of this um, book I read as a kid uh, called Interstellar Pig. And <laughs> it's a great title. It is a great title, and um, it's a fantastic book. And the guy who wrote it, who I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, had two or three other books, none of them related to that one. But they were all just really cool fantasy sci-fi mixture stuff. Um, this one, like Ben 10, there was, it was about like various aliens and playing. It was around a board game in the book. But in Ben 10, what I like is this idea that this watch is what gives him his powers, and it's it's this amazing thing. I've seen the movie now about mm-hmm. one and a half times, the made-for-TV movie of Ben 10. Um, so I like that he has this watch. I like that it doesn't give him these powers forever, that mm-hmm. the watch needs to recharge. There's a lot of cool um, stuff like that. What I really like is that his sister has magic. Mm-hmm. 
And that just seems to be, maybe I haven't seen enough to see how she got those powers, but it comes from within, Mm -hmm. whereas the boy's power comes from this device. Yeah. And... So her getting the powers was definitely a recent thing. In the beginning, the show was more about um, just him having these adventures and her sometimes tagging along, but not always. And in some of the episodes, it it was very stereotypically like he had to go and solve the problem, and and she and the grandfather, who were also Mm -hmm. there, kind of got in the way. Mm -hmm. But I think that they realized that that wasn't working. And and I I said this before in one of the shows. I think they brought in new writers at some point because I could see when the show changed. Like. It used to be okay, and then it got really good, okay. <laughs> and, and all kinds of interesting stuff started to happen, and it got much deeper. And now they've gotten into this whole world of Ben 10, mm-hmm. where apparently when he's in monster form, these other monsters know who he is. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's really interesting, so then there's a whole story behind that. I liked how the movie was about, um, it, was, it was a moral lesson, and it was, you can't be selfish, you can't be being a hero for the glory of being a hero, because then you're no longer a hero. You have to be doing it for unselfish reasons. And his sister kind of tries to show him that. And his sister, in the season I've seen at least, or the shows I've seen, is definitely there saving his butt most of the time because mm-hmm. he's he's um, a little arrogant and mm-hmm. he he jumps into you know things without really thinking. And uh, in the movie he ends up having to save her and put himself before her. And you can see that she even comments maybe at that point that, oh, now you're a hero. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really a really good uh, lesson to put in there in the subtle way that they did. I also like the, her magic. It's just cool. Magic is awesome. Their names are funny. So his real name is Ben Tennyson. Yeah. Her name is Gwen. Yeah. And the grandfather's name is another Ian name that I can't remember. It might be Ken or something. It's like, okay. I love that the grandfather drives a motorhome around. <laughs> it's a really crappy one, too. Yeah. It's all dented up and everything. It's funny. Well, it's been through a lot. It has. It's true. It's good. There, the one episode I, I had seen again recently was when they go into a video game. Hmm. It, it's through some That's magical thing that happens, and it turns out that Gwen saves him because she's much better at the game than he okay. is. And it, it's a kind okay. of a samurai thing, and uh-huh. it, there's some magic, so it's it's dangerous. Like you could die when you're in the game. But another little bit of role reversal there. Yeah, so. Stereotypical role reversal. Yeah, so it was good. I, yeah. I like that they did that. So I'm glad. Um, they're so now on Cartoon Network. They're starting to sh- finally show new episodes. There was like a real lack mm-hmm. of, of new episodes. They were showing a few during the summer, but I just saw some commercials last night. And so finally, there's going to be new Ben 10 and new Fosters, which I can't wait for because I'm really tired of watching those <laughs> same episodes over and over again. Um, there's one new series on called Silver Hawks that I really hate, and I think I mentioned to you, you should watch it sometime so I can tell if it's bad or if it's just me. Okay. I just don't like the animation more than anything else. It's very, like a strange cross between 2D and 3D, and hmm. I, it's hard for me to watch it. It just visually, I think it's ugly. Hmm. I don't okay. like I'll have to check much. it out. Um, and then there's a new Pokemon series on called Diamond and Pearl right now. The slight cast of character change, so they have a new female sidekick named Dawn, hmm. replacing May and her little brother Max, who were in the last one. But Brock is still there. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my god, they have to have Brock in it or I won't watch it. <laughs> but you know, now that I've watched a lot of Pokemon, I just can't believe that Ash and Brock don't recognize Jesse and James. Yeah, I mean, give me a break. You know, how many women with giant pink hair Mm -hmm. and have a sidekick guy with blue hair do you see? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe a lot of them in the Pokemon world. I don't know. It's like, I just, I really kind of wonder about that. How come they don't recognize them? It's very frustrating. Yeah, well, it's it's much like, (laughs) to take it way back, the Smurfs where every 
time, they fall into a trap that has all the signatures of Gargamel on it. <laughs> and it's kind of like this, I think you just have to think that... The, the difficulty for me is that in the more recent uh, years of Pokemon, it, there does seem to be some continuity between episodes. Yeah, yeah. But in the earlier, like seven or eight years ago when I was watching it and before, it seemed like each episode was... Um, it was self-contained. Self-contained yeah, and, yeah. you know, in the same way that Smurfs was. So you didn't really... You just kind of expected that everything was wiped clean out of their memories and they didn't have <laughs> any memories from the previous episodes. Um, but now, now that they are seeming to have some continuity, it doesn't... It, I can see how it would be a little more annoying that yeah. they don't seem to learn from their <laughs> mistakes. Happens every single episode. But there's new Pokemon in it. Of course, you know, to get kids to buy more toys and stuff, mm-hmm. they had to come up with a whole new cast. I think they added, like, I don't know, 50 more new Pokemon this wow. year. Which is just, amazing. It's crazy. Very crazy. But it's still fun. I like it. Um, so the one other thing I was going to mention was that they finished up with Billy and Mandy, mm-hmm. um, which I was a little sad about because I really liked that show. And the last one was a movie called uh, Wrath of the Spider Queen, which was really funny. Like, the first time I watched it, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not. And then, because they show these things, like, every week. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen it four times now. And it's gotten a lot funnier on repeated viewings. And the thing I like the most is that um, th- the plot is... There's a woman who's the Spider Queen, and she's literally half woman and half spider, and she wants to be the Grim Reaper. Hmm. So the title of Grim Reaper is not something that Grim has, okay. like skeleton guy. Like anybody can be the Grim Reaper. Okay. And apparently, when they were all in high school twenty thousand years ago, uh-huh. there was an election <laughs> <laughs> for Grim Reaper, and he won. Uh-huh. But there was a whole... She thought that he had cheated and stuffed the ballot box. And it turned out that it was the boogeyman who really stuffed the ballot box and anything. But the fact that they're, they're showing all, like, mythical characters, like the Grim Reaper and the Spider Queen, in high school. And yeah. they're very nerdy as high school people. <laughs> very amusing to me. And at the same time, they're showing that their high school is in, like, uh, the center of the earth. And outside on the surface are the Flintstones. <laughs> like, I don't know how they got permission to yeah. do this from Hanna-Barbera, but it's literally the Flintstones. That's awesome. So that was really good, and, and there are some uh, very bitchy elves in it who were quite amusing, <laughs> smacking each other around all the time. But it ended up being a nice story about how, um, even though they were nerds, you know, Grimm was trying to make things nice for her, and they end up being friends in the end. Yeah. But as with most Billy and Mandy episodes, um, the spiders take over the world at the end, and everybody dies almost. Because a lot of episodes ended that way with everyone dying, okay. and then you just pretended that that didn't, didn't happen have, for the yeah. next one. So I was glad that they went with that. <laughs> um, there is going to be a new series by the same creator, Maxwell Adams, and of course the name just went right out of my head. But he he showed some art from it on his blog. Some of the characters from Billy and Mandy are going to be in it, like Irwin and I think Hostel Gatto, who's that mm-hmm. Terminator kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it's going to be on, but I'm glad he's doing more stuff for yeah. Cartoon Network. Cool. Uh, I, I was just going to talk about two comics that I'm reading. Yes. So I'm reading a lot of DC stuff, but the two that I'm following and uh, with anticipation, <clears throat> uh, the one is the Green Lantern Saga with the Sinestro Corps. Mm-hmm. And it's, an, I think, four... I, I'm not sure if one came out this week, I forget, but um, four, four s- issues have come out that have to do with the Sinestro Corps really rising up. And the, the most amazing part for me was... so. Kyle Rayner has been imbued with the the like heart of Oa, or I can't remember its name, but it's the antithesis to Parallax. So it's mm-hmm. this being of pure energy that it's why he's their their icon and their herald and all these things. And 
and the Sinestro Corps captures him. And Sinestro, using some sort of yellow, maybe he uses his hand, but I think he uses some yellow energy to slice right into the heart of Kyle, rip the the green Oa entity out. Why am I blanking on this? Anyway, imprison it, and then shove Parallax into him. Mm -hmm. And the scene, the way it's drawn, just the intensity of it, I think it's at the end of the first issue, maybe the beginning of the second, but it's it's, it's striking and shocking, and of course Kyle being my, probably one of my favorite characters ever, just really shook me, and it's, you know, Kyle's out there, they're attacking Mogo right now, Mm -hmm. because Mogo is where all the Green Lanterns go to get their training, and uh, without him, there would be able to be no more green, no new Green Lanterns, Mm -hmm. and so what they're also doing, this is fascinating, this awesome little (laughs) twist, is every time they kill a Green Lantern, the ring of that Green Lantern flies off and says, you know, so-and-so of Sector whatever dead, um, looking headed to sector, the same sector, to find replacement. And a green and a yellow lantern or a Sinestro Corps person follows that ring and when it finds the person, they kill him. <laughs> so they're just, it's amazing. They're, it's, it's really an all-out um, genocide of the mm-hmm. Green Lantern Corps. And I really want to see where they go with it. If they kill Kyle, I'll never read another DC comic again. <laughs> um, but other than that, I'm pretty excited and I like it. Uh, Hal and Guy and John Stewart are all paired up or teamed up to to try and stop Sinestro and save the soul of Oa and all these things. So it's pretty cool. Okay. Um, the other one is <laughs> the new Green Arrow, which is you know if it were in Marvel, I think they would title it the Ultimate Green Arrow. <laughs> it's a retelling of a story, which is completely different than anything that has ever been his backstory. But it's cool. He gets shipwrecked on an island after his best friend. They're on uh, all these yacht, yacht. Sorry, all these yacht, and uh, his friend pushes him over and then steals all of his money fund this heroin uh, uh, plantation on this island. Well, Ollie just happens to wash up on the same (laughs) island. Of course. And after um, weeks of healing, he learns how to use a bow and arrow if he didn't already know how, but becomes incredibly good at it. And then finds these fields and finds that these people of the the island have been enslaved Mm -hmm. to try and uh, make the plantation work. And so he then starts fighting back and then breaks his arm which is fascinating so right now his bow and arrow has been broken and i'm pretty sure his arm is broken or maybe he reset it or something but whatever the case he's you know i'm not sure where they're going to go with it that he's uh, i'm guessing he's not going to die no i don't think he's going (laughs) to die but he's actually a much more uh he's a much richer character not rich like less of a dick less of a dick right now he he actually yeah i'm guessing that probably his return to uh the mainland if they cover that in this uh series somehow they'll have to write in the when ollie became a dick thing (laughs) um but right now he was kind of a dick as the rich guy but Mm -hmm. the being excuse me pushed over the boat and finding this plantation and these slaves essentially has really caused him to be this upstanding guy who's fighting to save these people. And, and he, he actually um, gets injured, and one of the women that is pregnant, who's enslaved, saves him and hides him out and uh, takes care of him. But in order to uh, help his arm, I guess he is, his arm is healed by this point, but in order to heal his arm and help him deal with the pain, she's giving him 
heroin. Mm, and so interesting. he oh. becomes a heroin addict. Wow. And then they find his hideout or where she's been hiding him. And so he has to, he, he has to run away and he starts going through heroin withdrawal. Uh-huh. So wow. it's oh, a that's, really... That's very interesting. That, that really ties story. it back to the, yeah. the, the stuff in the 70s. Totally. How interesting. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking about um, Green Arrow, and when I was talking with my brother on the last show, we talked a little bit about those, the DC comics in the, the 60s where they were pairing up Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. My brother was saying, um, he always thought it was kind of weird because it was like pairing up the the guy with no powers, Batman. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's a good detective, but he has no powers. Right. The guy with all the powers yeah. that you could ever want. And when they did that pair-up of Green Lantern and Green Arrow, it was kind of the same thing. Because right. Ollie has no powers. Exactly. And Hal had all the powers. Yep. And they do this, I mean, they've done it a lot recently. I think there even is a, a title out, Green Arrow, Green, uh, Green Lantern. Still? I saw one the other day. It might really? just be a one-off. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then there was a, well, maybe, no, I'm thinking of Batman, Green, Green Lantern. Okay, well, it's the same thing. Same yeah, thing, guy, guy with powers, guy without powers. Yeah, yeah. That's, interesting. that's interesting. Something about that dynamic. We should think about that a little bit more. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so that's it. I, I guess I just want to say that for anybody who hasn't read um, The Boy Meets Hero, which is kind of a story about a closeted gay superhero, um, Cheney and Russell draw, uh, draw this comic, and it's, I guess, on its 90th page now, and it's nearing its end. Um, it's great. I, every Friday, or it's not on Fridays now, but uh, every week they update with a page, and I think they're going to print it. And it's just a really fun story. It's the art that I really like, the really mm-hmm. vivid, crisp art. And, um, yeah, and the, the protagonist is really cute, and the boyfriend <laughs> is really cute. And, yeah, it's a good story, though. That's great. Yeah. Um, and the one other superhero note was, uh, as I mentioned to you, my favorite show, Mythbusters, mm-hmm. um, did a superhero special that was a tie-in with Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had a chance to watch it. I taped it on Wednesday night, so I'm kind of curious to see what they do. Yeah, you'll have do. to let me know if it has at all anything to do with that uh, exhibit that yeah. Marvel had. Yeah, it, it, it might. I'm going to see if they reference that and um, what kind of uh, superhero-ish stuff. I mean, the one thing I saw on, on the website that they were going to test was... Um, if you're driving and you throw a rope, uh, you have to go around a corner mm-hmm. and you throw a rope with ah. something on it and yeah. it goes around like a pillar and that helps you make the, the yeah. turn. Like, could you do that okay. without ripping your car apart yeah. or ripping the pillar on? So, I don't know. We'll see. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think that it probably isn't then very related anyway to the exhibit. The exhibit was how do superpowers work? Yeah. And so you would be able to be in, like, controlling this machine that would lift up a car. With arms, or um, they had a Spider-Man thing, Spider-Man right? Spider-Man thing, yeah, and then Iceman, yeah, something else. Like so, that. so I think they may be separate, but might be related. Yeah, it seems like Marvel's, like you said, doing a lot to uh, build some interest in their the the, the con or just the philosophy and mm-hmm. foundation of superpowers. Yeah, well, I think that's good. Totally I'm glad that they're spreading around. All right, what time is it? Oh, my God. I think we should go home now. I think so, too. <laughs> well, good. Well, this was good. We got that out of the way. It's time for the new fall season. Yeah. And um, hopefully there's going to be some good movies around uh, Christmas time, I'm hoping. Yeah. Oh, sorry. One last thing that I didn't mention. Uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> sorry. Uh, it kind of fits in. So, read the book. Amazing. I'm not going to say too much about it, because I still feel there might be people out there who haven't read it and don't want to ruin it, but... Amazing, amazing book, and the end was brilliant, and I loved what she did with it. And the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, the the most recent movie, the fifth one, go see it in 3D IMAX. It is so cool. 
it is way better than Superman because <laughs> they put all the 20 minutes together instead of spreading them out, mm-hmm. and it was all action. Whereas Superman is like two of the four scenes mm-hmm. were action and two were kind of other stuff. So Harry Potter 5, amazing on 3D IMAX. <laughs> cool. Yay. Weekend. Weekend. Woo!